good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and England, and joining me from across the pond, if there was such a league as super co-hosts, this man would be the leader of them. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, Matt. How are you this day? Uh, I'm doing really quite well. It's hot again. It's not, again, Floridian levels. It's not like it was the other week, but... As I said off air, no aircon, so uh, struggling somewhat, but I'm not doing too bad. A uh, fun fact, though, whilst uh, trying to open the our notes, our show notes for this week, I, I typed BAMP into my search bar and pressed enter without scrolling to the right thing. And I found out that BAMP actually has a meaning, the, the, the word B-A-M-P, BAMP. Oh. In, in northern England, in Tyneside up north, it mean, BAMP means... An idiotic and ill-mannered person, or if you're in Wales, "bamp" means you, well, your your grandfather. So there we go. So "bamp" underscore podcast could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> I've just found out today. But is hey. it like grandfather on a specific side, like um, like on your dad's side? Like, because I, I don't understand the B part. Like, wouldn't it just be "gramp"? No idea. It just says one's grandfather. But um, the Welsh have a very cool and funky language of which i can't even begin to learn i have lots of welsh friends who say lots of words with many many syllables and throaty noises which just goes over my head my friend so uh call me ignorant but i I can't work it out my my man but yeah so that was my fun fact of the day i don't think you'll even be able to top that but if you can try please do however how are you doing you keeping florida safe and well uh, yep, uh, you know, um, most of what I'm going to talk about when in regards to how I'm doing will be uh, for the um, how I'm staying bloody awesome segment. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it is hot here. It has been uh, it was dry for a couple of days and then it rained real hard, like like comedic level amount of rain. Like it was blowing sideways kind of rain yesterday. Um, and that will tie into uh, what I've been watching. Um, later because it, it, it impacted my ability to travel, um, yesterday because it was raining so hard. And I, uh, recently within like the last two months, I bought some umbrellas and I even, uh, we were at Epcot last week and I bought ponchos because it rained most of the day that we were at Epcot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had none of that with me yesterday. I was not prepared. Uh, I had no umbrellas and no ponchos. And so I, I was just like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get soaking wet and then drive an hour back home uh, while like one getting my truck wet, but also like the inside of my truck wet. And also, you know, it's dangerous to drive in the rain anyways. And uh, the particular road I four any Florida listener will know that road um, is not one you like to drive anyways, but much less if it is uh torrential downpours, because you will, encounter an accident even if it's not your own you know like you you will probably run across someone who is in an accident because people drive crazy despite the bad weather so um but yeah you know uh otherwise just doing my thing trying to to stay afloat well uh, as long as you're safe and well my friend then the movie world and the bamp can continue because i don't know what i do with you uh you are a man's best friend to me i i mean i don't know if anyone's kind of guessed what we're talking about tonight but on the bamp we take the biggest release of the week or most interesting or sometimes the only release of the week and we deliver a non-spoiler review on this episode and in a few days time at the beginning of the week we're going to drop a spoiler review and this week john 
we are chatting about the DC League of Super Pets. Uh, this was directed by Jared Stern and Sam Levine. He, uh, Stern also wrote it alongside John Whittington. And it stars, or the voice cast, include Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha Lyon, Leon, Lyon, Lyon, um, Diego Luna, John Krasinski, Mark Marone, Kate McKinnon, Keanu Reeves, and Dasha Polanco, plus an awful lot more. There's a lot of big names who are kind of sprinkled throughout this film in roles of varying sizes. Uh, again, we don't do spoilers, but we do read the synopsis. IMDb gives this one. Crypto the Superdog and Superman are inseparable best friends, sharing the same superpowers and fighting crime side by side in Metropolis. However, Crypto must master his own powers for a rescue mission when Superman is kidnapped. Bum, bum, bum. Right, so we've got an animated DC film. How's it doing critically and with the fans? Rotten Tomatoes has the critic score at 71% and 88% with the audience. Metascore is 56. The IMDb user score 7.8 out of 10. Letterboxd 3.2 out of 5. And uh, the film has an A minus cinema score, which is always a good thing because, as film fans know, anything other than an A is uh, usually not well received, especially by the studios. But this film is currently only available in theatres. If you want to watch the DC League of Super Pets, uh, head on out to your local theatre if it's playing and check it out. But we're now going to tell you what we think about it, non-spoilers, and whether we think it's worth checking out. And I can't lie, John, when I saw DC League of Super Pets on the on the uh, upcoming uh, films for us to release, to review, sorry, I did think, huh, is, is that going to be the week where it's, oh, I'll go and watch it, but you know, I'll do it under duress. You know, I'll do it because we're going to give the fans what they want, the listeners what they want. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I was going to go and watch it, obviously, for the show, but I decided, uh, because it's the right thing to do, I took my daughter, my six-year-old, along with me to the cinema. We've, we've been to see a few films now. Well, this is the latest, and we saw the trailer for this in front of Lightyear, and I think she looked, she seemed to quite enjoy the trailer, so I thought, win-win, you know. First things first, give my daughter a fun couple of hours she gets to stuff a face with, with popcorn uh i get to watch a hopefully decent film and cover it for the bamp as well so uh, i wasn't exactly beaming for joy going in but i enjoyed dc league of super pets john i think it's it's one of those films which earns a title my title of better than it kind of has a right to be or i thought it was going to be it's uh it's certainly better than the justice league films were <laughs> anyway i'm gonna say that straight off the bat uh, I, I thought this film was very decent. Obviously, let's get out of the way. It's fun for the family. So it's good for all ages it's mm-hmm. good for the family. I did check that with John before going in. And there's some good humor throughout. The gags are very decent. Some are aimed at the adults, but most of them are for the children. I found myself laughing quite a lot, whether, whether it's a visual gag or, uh, or a, a joke on screen for one of the characters. I was entertained throughout this, my friend, uh, the talented voice cast. I think does a really good job. Kate McKinnon is excellent as Lulu, the, the Guinea pig. So what I'll say, she is the Guinea pig who's afforded an awful lot of nefarious time on screen. I think Kate McKinnon is, is very good. Um, the action, there's a lot of action in this because it's a superhero film and it's fine. You know, it's good. You know, it's nothing special necessarily, 
uh, in uh, as is the screenplay there's nothing like wildly new here which is going to blow your socks off but that's not really what the film's about it's there's there's more to this film when it becomes a superhero film i didn't find it quite as strong but the finale the you know the final sequence it retains enough charm i thought that to elevate it above the kind of standard smash bang wallop that the genre has the animation aspect helps a lot but aside from that this film is about the action it's about the fun it's about the gags and it's about the great voice cast but more so for the kids and adults alike there's lessons here uh, of humility, teamwork, respect, uh, friendship, confidence, and family. There's an awful lot to take away from this film. Y- y- that's usually the case with animated f- films, which are you know, targeted towards children. There's good messages throughout. And this one has a lot as well. You know, you look at Crypto, who's voiced by Dwayne Johnson. He's our lead dog, Superman's dog, Kal-El's dog. You know, he's, you know, he's, he swaggers around because he knows he's the big dog on campus. He's, he's the one with the powers and, you know, those other dogs like Ace, you know, a stray dog in a in the pound in the pet shop. You know, he, you know, he's he's not on the level. So you know, I'll, I'll condescend him, I'll patronise him. But there may come a time, crypto, when you're going to need to rely on Ace. You're going to need Ace's help. So we get a lot of, a, a lot of uh, great interactions with uh, lots of thematic resonance to them. Uh, there's a lot of self-referential comedy of the genre, which works well. Uh, I know Keanu Reeves was batman i'll let john talk about that because that's john's favorite <laughs> dc character but no i really did enjoy this my my, my man um there's uh, again i won't know spoilers but there's a few crypto's dad appears during the film sometimes and is it's genuinely hilarious there's voice by few, keith david yes exactly i mean there's so many cool people in this mm. they're going down the list it's mental but uh yeah he was genuinely hilarious in this i, I laughed an awful lot at what the the material that they gave him but um for for younger children i think the film was fine there was a few moments in it where i thought oh no i hope this isn't going to be too uh scarring for my young kid because at one point she did say oh i think this might give me nightmares i wasn't sure oh, if she, no. i wasn't sure if she is joking i think she might have been but spoiler review for that revelation but dude i for a film which i wasn't jumping for joy at and I don't mean to sound like I was negative. It wasn't a film I, I oh, hate the idea of this, but you know, considering what we've got coming up, I thought this would be one of the ones where, you know, it'd be fine. It'd be good, but let's move on to the bigger, better stuff. Actually a bit like the Mitchells versus the machines last year. This was surprisingly good. I had a really good time with it. There's a lot of heart here and there's a lot of yeah. emotion as well. I know you and I, we haven't really spoke about the film off air, but there's one scene in particular, which we both, we both got choked up at. And it is yep. genuinely an emotional scene. It's so well written. It's so well performed by the uh, voice cast in that sequence. And it is g- genuinely well done. And uh, there's a lot of scenes like that. And there's also a lot of team-up scenes which work really well. So, John, I really quite enjoyed this film, more so than I thought I was going to. But as the comic book fan and you know fan of Batman and DC, how did you find this film? Well, I've seen it twice now um, mm-hmm. because uh, we had an early morning critic screening. Um, it wasn't just critics. It was like a family like invite screening. So they had a bunch of people with kids there and um, it was it was on a Sunday. And so I got to take my wife to uh, her first critic screening with me. Nice. And um, because it was this big event, they were giving out capes and little like kind of Burger King like paper crowns, but with like the different uh, dog masks sort of like it was like there like uh, there was ace's ears or the pig's ears 
and uh, my wife, without hesitation, walked up and got a cape and got Ace's ears, realized she wished she had got the pig's ears, so Sean, Big Tuna, got her the pig ears uh, for his, um, and uh, so she was all in. She really enjoyed the movie, so much so that we went again to see it in the theater um, this weekend because she wanted to watch it a second time. So she really loved it. Um, I liked it. I think it's really, really solid. Um, And you mentioned there's a lot of heart. And I think, yes, there's a lot of heart, but also there's a lot of heart. Kevin Hart is not an actor who always works for me. And uh, when he does, though, I often find him... um, like, I love him. And there's movies where he's like, I think he's too much or he's being over the top. And I honestly thought this would be one of those. Um, I kind of felt that way with the, the secret life of pets. He's the rabbit in that movie. And I thought he was a little bit much. He was like over the top. And it was, that was the role of the character, but it was still like Kevin Hart does that a lot here. He's pretty subtle. And I found Ace to be the character that I liked the most, partly because the writing is really solid. They never go, too big like there's always those conflict moments where like the characters don't quite get along and they have to like separate for whatever reason and i thought they did a good job of keeping it um sensible it never felt melodramatic or or like you know like a kid throwing a temper tantrum it was always like oh well that makes sense um even like some of the more emotional parts a lot of those are the like in other kid movies i think they would have been drawn out or stretched out and they this felt more controlled and more contained. Um, I think there's some really great DC stuff uh, for DC nerds, not to the level of like Lego Batman where there's just so many references, but enough here that you're going to find joy in your comic book uh, fandoms. Um, some cool decisions like the, the choice for um, the green lantern being one that had not been, I had not seen in a cartoon or uh, movie prior to this only in the comics. So that was cool uh, to see a female green lantern from earth one. Um, and then, uh, like you said, there's some really, really good, like, heartfelt content in this movie, which, you know, sometimes with kid movies, they're they're only looking for the gags. They're only looking for the easy laughs, and they're not worried about the messages. This movie's definitely got really strong messages on top of some really funny moments. Um, Batman gets the most laughs, uh, I think, right behind uh, the, the turtle. I think those two are the the best comedy parts of the film. And man, there's like three lines that Keanu Reeves delivers as Batman that just cracks me up every single time. Um, The the best one being as simple as I miss my parents. It's all in the timing. So it's not just Keanu's delivery, but it's also when they decided to have him drop that line. But it is hilarious. Uh, Not a spoiler either folks unless you have no idea who batman is he <laughs> definitely misses his parents um I-, I was impressed with all the voice acting um natasha leone who uh you, you listeners you might have seen um because i'm a cheerleader or the, she's in the american pie movies she's not like the main in those but she is like one of the best friends in those um and then uh she was on orange is the new black for years and recently uh, i think the russian doll or russian dolls on netflix i, I don't remember for sure what that i haven't seen that show but um, she's a tremendous actress and she's really funny as the turtle, uh, absolutely cracks me up. Um, yeah, just a very pleasant movie. I wasn't sure. I didn't really want to go see it a second time. I wasn't like, uh, there's other stuff I'd rather rewatch. Um, if I'm just going to go watch something I've already seen. Uh, but I, I ended up enjoying it the second time, um, despite kind of not really wanting to go, um, 
so that's I think that says something. You know, it, I I don't think this is like a masterpiece or anything, but as far as like a kid friendly movie that um, there's actually again some kind of takeaway from. It's not just uh, you know flat. I mean, really, Minions is a great example of what I'm talking about. Like, it, it is uh, a bunch of gags, and if you think they're funny, it's a very easy movie to laugh at. But at the end of the day, I don't know that you really walk away with any anything to take from Minions. Where here, you can have some laughs, but you also, like, you get about friendship and teamwork and, and being humble. Um, it, there's so much that you can walk away with, and what great lessons for kids to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree, and... Uh, my theatre when I went to watch it was uh, it was the, the Saturday matinee. It was very very quiet, and I know this film has been the number one film at the box office this week, mainly due to a drop for Nope and really a lack of uh, anything uh, else coming out. Yeah. But um, it, it wasn't very busy where I was. It wasn't it be a huge clamour to go and see it. But the people who were in with me, about ten people. They all seem to be enjoying it as well. And I asked Olivia if she enjoyed it afterwards, and she thought it was very good. Um, she laughed a few, quite a few times as well. Uh, there was a scene with a hot dog at the beginning, which made both of us laugh an awful lot. But yeah, no, I, uh. I, this is definitely a film worth watching, especially if you've got kids. But even if you just like DC uh, films, I think you're going to have fun here, as long as you're not going to, uh, as long as you're not one who, you know, kind of is, is dark and gritty. That's a Batman impression. Then you're going to have fun here. If you just like animated films, just go along for the ride. It's not very long. It's an hour and hour and forty minutes. And there are worse ways to spend an hour and forty minutes in watching dogs and guinea pigs and pork uh, and potbelly pigs and squirrels voiced by Diego Luna uh, and turtles becoming superheroes. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? Try and tell me. Convince me otherwise, that's not a fun way to spend your afternoon. But um, yeah, DC League of Super Pets, and it's going to get a thumbs up from the both of us. Do you have anything else you want to chuck in before we move a ho- along, John? Uh, just that David Diggs is cyborg, and I'm always in when David Diggs is in something. So, yeah, but again, you, you go down the cast list and you'll see um, a host of names who have either very small roles in the film or slightly bigger along the way. And uh, you you end up with a very good looking cast list. So yeah, and they all do very good jobs here. So uh, yeah, DC League of Super Pets, check it out if you can. Let us know what you think of it. We'll give all the socials at the end of the show. But now let's move on to our next segment, John, which we call Chuffed Headlines. We take a movie or pop culture headline from around the world that caught our attention, and we tell each other all about it and tell you guys all about it as well. So John. What the heck have you picked this week? Well, I follow a lot of uh, celebrities on social media. That seems to be like like celebrities and movie related news. That's like my my social feeds. And um, I so I already kind of heard this, but I, I hadn't realized uh, the timing. Um, we we learned earlier this month um, that Creed three, being directed by Michael B. Jordan himself, has been pushed back to March of twenty twenty three. It was everyone was expecting a November release for this year. And, um, and then not long after they announced the official release date, we got news that they're going to do a spinoff of Drago, assuming not Dolph Lundgren's Drago, but his son from Creed 2 will get his own movie, apparently. Drago, I assume, Lundgren's involved, so I mean, I think he'll be in it, but I just can't imagine them centering it on the old guy. Um, but, but I could be wrong, obviously, but, um, Rocky has been complaining about not i'm sorry oops i called stallone rocky stallone who uh wrote rocky uh the original 
and created the characters that you would see in Rocky one and two. And then I think he starts directing with two. Um, he directs two, three, and I think four or five. Um, he's, he's synonymous with Rocky, right? You think Stallone, you think Rocky, Absolutely. Uh, but he lost the rights at some point. And I haven't been able to find out exactly when he lost the rights uh, If He's never had the rights like, um, or if he lost them at some point, uh, I haven't been able to get all those details, but, um, people magazine, I have the article linked in the show notes. Um, Stallone has now slammed Dolph Lundgren too for him being involved with this. Uh, he's calling the producer parasites, uh, saying like, give me back the rights, you cowards. And he's wanting to leave like money for his family. Um, and, uh, like some of the tweets and, and, uh, Instagram posts that he's had are, are pretty aggressive. Like, uh, once again, Erwin Winkler, this pathetic 94 year old, it's like, dude, he's 94. I don't know if you need to call him pathetic. And these are like all caps too. Um, producer and his moronic vulture children so apparently the guy's kids are involved um are once again picking clean the bones of another wonderful character i created without even telling me so didn't even give it like a heads up that they were doing the drago spinoff so he's not down with that and he's mad about Dolph because they are obviously friends they've worked together in the rocky films they work together on expendables um but apparently you know i mean people gotta work uh it's it's pretty wild because he's it's not being like played out behind the scenes this is like all on his social media so like people just went on his social media um and there it is just being aired out and it is it's a shame how rights work and how like people can create something and then lose the ability to have like the the resources from it like it is pretty wild, and obviously Stallone's not the first one to have lost the rights to something that they made. Uh, Taylor Swift is re-releasing all of her albums so that she has all of the rights to her music and not the record label. Like We're seeing this more and more play out in the public spectrum, um, partly because of social media. They're able to kind of voice their concerns and their, their issues, and it, it's a shame that um, the talent has always been you know, shorted their money. Like Artists very rarely get the full percentage of what they are creating. Someone else is mooching off of them because they have connections or resources and uh, seeing this play out, especially someone big like Stallone. I mean, Stallone is an icon of the industry and he is being screwed over by this. And that's, it's pretty wild to, to see it play out. So I just wanted to make sure people were aware of it. Um, yeah. I'd seen this story floating on Instagram and I, you know what? I don't think Sly has ever actually owned the rights to the character. Uh, I know it's so wild, though, right? He is his baby, like you say. He directed, he wrote. I believe he produced and wrote the screenplay at least for for Rocky. Um, he directed two, three, and four. Uh, he directed Rocky Balboa in the mid noughties and since then, as, as other and in the other films, he's either been a writer or producer or whatever. So you know, this is you know, yeah, like you say, the two are synonymous. To by the fact that you know, we call him Rocky by mistake because you know. Yeah, he's been Rambo and everyone else, but he's Rocky Balboa. Sly is Rocky. I don't think he ever did own the rights, like, legally. I mean, obviously, emotionally, he owns that character. And I can understand somewhat his frustration. Now, like you say, you know, the the vitriol he's spewing online, does it need to be quite so OTT? It's easy for me to say from this side of the side of the fence, no, obviously, but... I guess without necessarily uh, condoning the uh, the verbal attacks, at least, or the written attacks, then I, I, I admire his passion and want for this character to only be the best that it can be. And he believes he's the one to do that. And 
it's really who 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 who's anyone to say no you're not uh but the uh, but that that aside uh i still you know still like sly i still support the rocky films or, and creed films i always have done there were you know people were kidding after creed 2 came out that oh in the next film we're going to get like the son of clubber lang or something being in creed 3 but mm. instead we're getting drago which is uh, an interesting way to take it it was florian montiano that beast of a fighter who who played victor drago in creed 2 and yeah of course Dolph Lundgren came back to play um ivan drago if he dies he dies um i mean i don't really know what they what they're going to do with this film because with all due respect florian montiano isn't an actor you know he's great as a monstrous presence and a fighter but outside of that uh, i don't know if he's going to be the one carrying this film and if so there's going to need to do a lot of work on the dude because yeah he's a fighter not an actor Dolph Lundgren is a presence and he's got, and I'll never tire of seeing him on screen, but at the same time, is Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren going to carry this franchise going forward? Is he going to be uh, the face of it? Because Sly Stallone, whatever people say about him in this role, he has been fantastic in his later years, especially Rocky Balboa. He's great in Creed. He's superb. Creed two is very good as well. Dolph Lundgren and that, and they need to rise to the occasion there. I think Michael B. Jordan is going to be involved in this Drago uh, spin-off as well. Hey, look, I'm still going to go and see it because I like the world. I like this, the Rocky-verse, and I'm interested to see where they go with the stories. And eventually, you know, it's sad to say, but the the films will go on when the actors aren't around anymore. So I don't really see the problem with them carrying it on. However, if Sly, who is listed as a producer on drago let's just throw that out there now if he hasn't been consulted or they've thrown out his uh ideas or wants you know on a whim then that sucks a little bit because he's a legend of the the game and he's the character this is always his thing but at the same time it's show business you know this is what happens and whether we agree with it or not it's going to happen i do wish i had a little bit more involvement even if he's not in it or directing it i'd like to think he had some kind of actual producing credit on it but i'm not gonna lie john i'm still gonna see the film yeah uh same and you know i mean i hope they're good um that is always a concern when uh it becomes about the money which is what it seems like when you start doing spinoff after spinoff it's now it's not i have an interesting story to tell it's i believe we can make money by telling the story like Kugler went to Stallone with Creed and like, there's a lot of personal stuff. And honestly, I felt Creed two suffered because of that. It didn't feel as personal as Creed did. I agree. Um, and the only reason I'm hyped for Creed three is because Michael B. Jordan is directing. So I feel like maybe he's got that same passion that Kugler had with the first one. Um, but you know, it's also his directorial debut. So that's a little nerve wracking. But he's had tips from some great directors. It's not like he hasn't worked with some good people. So uh, here's hoping. But Yeah, we'll find out eventually. Again, assuming the film does come out. You never know in this day and age. But it's an interesting story and one which I'm very interested to keep my finger on the pulse of. So, um, my story is moving into the next season, the fall season, which actually isn't that far away when I'm looking at the calendar. Soon, JB will be whacking back his pumpkin spice Ooh. last season's pumpkin donuts and just you know, pumpkin pumpkin everything uh 
as will I, because Halloween is my favourite, one of my favourite times of the year, more, for, more so for the aesthetic than the actual day itself. But my story, John, is from Entertainment Weekly by a guy called Keith Langston. The headline, Christopher Lloyd haunting a spirit Halloween store. Huh. Rachel Lee Cook is also going to star in this film that's inspired by the spirit Halloween stores. Uh, the stores that kind of pop up around the fall season and then disappear again once the once it's all said and done. But uh, can I pa- interrupt for just a second? You can. Do you have Spirit of Halloween in the UK? No, I was going to throw over to you about that because ah. I, we've seen I've seen Spirit Halloween. I know what they are, uh, and a lot of people over here kind of see it as a pilgrimage almost because of its whether or not the store itself is any good. I don't know, but. You know, oh. it's kind of seen as this kind of oh, mythical thing. Like we don't really we we celebrate Halloween. It was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, My, so you know, stores. But so you can tell me, John, what are they like? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's get it's much like Christmas that's crept up earlier and earlier. Like our spirit of Halloween is already like getting assembled. Like it's probably open actually. Um, now, so we have uh, the mall is not far from where I live. It's where my movie theater is that I go to all the time. We used to have a Toys R Us outside of the mall, a uh, big Toys R Us. And then when they went under, because Toys R Us is basically gone, um, that had become the Spirit of Halloween location for a couple of years. It is now currently my gym. The gym that I go to used to be Toys R Us and was often Spirit of Halloween. And Spirit of Halloween, they'll kind of like take wherever they, they can. This year, they took uh, the old, I think, Sears or JC Penney's. Um, which is one of the big anchor stores at our mall. So I don't know how lar- if they're using the entire space or if they're only using a section of it, but it's a lot of fun. My daughter and my wife, it, it's a it's an annual tradition to go as soon as possible. Um, we don't really do like we don't really dress up for Halloween like much, but they love going and we don't decorate like the outside with stuff, but they love looking at all the the stuff. And my wife doesn't even like horror stuff, so I don't know. I think my daughter does, um, and I think that my wife's just, you know, embracing something my daughter is passionate about. Um, I love going to uh, – I had. I don't think I went last year because of COVID. I was just like, yeah, it's not worth, you know, tripsing through a costume store. But I will – I kind of want to see what this one's going to look like this year because it's in this big location. But, yeah, every year um, – it's owned by Spencer's Gifts. I don't know if you guys have Spencer's. No, in, I know. Okay? So they're like a novelty shop. They sell a lot of, you know, band stuff, rocks, you know, rock and roll stuff. And then they have a, a section of adult content, you know, um, like stuff. And uh, Spirit is like an extension of that. Um, but we've we've had one local pretty much every year for like the last 15 years. It feels like maybe it's not quite that much, but I, I don't think I'm far off. Uh, they always have these big like statuesque um, Halloween uh, decorations that you put outside and like they they're usually like motion activated or like there's like a sensor pad if you step on it it comes to life they've had like a reagan thing uh, from the exorcist uh it used to scare with the mess out of my daughter so it used to be a lot of fun for me to be, go in there and like i'm gonna step on the thing and she's like don't do it but but so a movie is happening which is wild uh yeah the film is there's a teaser trailer has been released for the film which is called spirit halloween the movie which is available on demand from October the 11th, just in time for spooky season. And the synopsis uh, is a group of kids hide inside a spirit Halloween store until it closes with the hopes of enjoying a night of mischief and adventure. Unfortunately for them, the store is also inhabited by an angry evil spirit, played by Christopher Lloyd, which already sounds fun, who possesses everything inside the store, including some creepy characters, and it doesn't seem to enjoy the kids' company. Um, the article, I have seen the trailer, it looks fun. 
The article says the teaser's giving off massive Nickelodeon meets Stranger Things and the Goonies vibe, which it is. Uh, and it's totally serving an 80s-esque Winona Ryder in the form of Rachel Lee Cook. So we get so Stranger Things seems to be winning here. Um, it says a family-friendly movie might not give gore hounds the blood fest they're hoping for, but its campy concept definitely seems like something worth watching with a group of friends. Then says, preferably after a few bottles of wine or whatever dr- your drink of choice is. Um, so that's coming out on December the 11th, uh, October the 11th, directed by a guy called David Pogue. And it stars a lot of people who I haven't heard of. But um, it looks like fun. It, it looks like one of those cool kind of uh, fall movies, which, like it says, it's going to be more fun than scary. And I don't think it's, by the sounds of it, it's not going to be the level of a trick or treat, which is fun. It's not scary, but it gets gory at times. I don't think it's not going to go that far. Probably it's going to feel a little bit more like the Fear Street films that came out on Netflix. Um, oh, I want to rewatch those. I think it was this year. I'm, I'm guessing it was. It's, maybe it was the end of last year. I, it was the end of last year. Yeah, it was a really cool concept, that was. A one week, uh, one film released per week. I love that concept. But uh, yeah, it's, even the article says that visiting uh, Spirit Halloween is an annual tradition for many because you get things like costumes, fake blood, and even mugs with Freddy Krueger's face on it. That is something I would very much like a mug with. Freddy Krueger's face in it, but yeah, no, I'd love to go to a Spirit Halloween store as a uh, as a Brit who's never been there before. I'm glad to hear that I'm not um, kind of bigging something up which is in, which is actually a bit rubbish. I'm glad to hear that. Hey, look, lots of people go for it for the fun, and uh, if I, I think this film is going to capture that, and I think it's going to be fun, if maybe not <laughs> great. But uh, does, does it say? where we're going to be able to watch it. Like I, I know it's on demand, but does that mean like we're going to be able to have to pay like a rental fee or is it going to be a, on a streaming service? That's a really good point. The, um, the article just says on demand it's, but then it's at the same time though. It also says possessing theaters, this fall. the poster. Interesting. Sorry, sorry John, uh, the studios prefer you to call it the key art. Now the key art poster says possessing theaters is for, uh, and it says to uh, follow Spirit Halloween movie to stay updated. So I don't know. Apparently, the article says on demand. The poster says it's going to be in theaters. So I'm guess- guessing we're going to get a little hybrid release there. But uh, it feels a bit goosebumpsy as well. If you like those films, you probably quite enjoy this. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Spirit of Halloween, getting into the movie business. That's it. Spirit Halloween. Drago, that was our chuffed headline. So let's move on now, John, to media consumption. This is a segment where we talk about the films, streaming series, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, whatever that we've done or used or indulged or consumed to pass the time since the last episode. John, what have you been checking out? So Blank Check just concluded the Bob Fosse uh, series uh, with his last film, Star 80 which I knew nothing about because I was born um, after the events of the movie, but it's based on a true story, um, a tragic, crazy story. And it is a very difficult movie. It's definitely in the exploitation genre, which is problematic because it is based on a real person. Um, But knowing Bob Fosse's uh, kind of life and career, um, there's a really interesting article. I don't remember who wrote it, but it was, uh, it's on RogerEbert.com from 2016 where they were reevaluating the film. It was a female author, which I thought was important. Um, and I think she makes some really good points as to why it's a relevant film and worth looking at for study. Um, very troubling for sure. Uh, Eric Roberts, it, it definitely maybe 
derails his career because he is real creepy in this movie and it's hard to get past, I think. Um, but they also dropped, uh, on last, last month, by the way, and he is very, he's, he's very cool by the sounds, but he's very eccentric. We were, we were interviewing one of the Star Wars actors next to him, and afterwards he was jokingly, he's like, you know, what about me? Give me some love and attention. And the next day he started shouting the same thing. So I was like, Eric Roberts is just <laughs> harassing us. It's great. In He was doing it in a uh, fun, tongue-in-cheek way. So that's yeah. my story about Eric Roberts. That's wild. Um, but uh, they've been on the Blank Check Patreon. They've been doing the Batman, um, or they've been doing Batman movies that they haven't covered on the main feed. Um, and they just did commentary on The Batman. Um which was a three-hour episode because it's the three-hour movie, so it was a pretty long one, but a uh, good episode. Um, with that, I did watch Star 80, uh, so I've seen all of Bob Fosse's films now, um, and I also finished Fosse Verdon. Um, the show's... I think it's worth watching. I don't think it's a masterpiece of a show. There's definitely some better episodes than others, uh, but it's still, like, just seeing, like, the insight. And I didn't know uh, Bob Fosse, when he died, like, died walking with Gwen Verdon on their way to a sweet charity. Like they had revived sweet charity in the eighties on broad, uh, not on Broadway uh, in theaters. And they were doing it in Washington, DC. And he like died walking to the venue and like died in her arms, like on the sidewalk, like wild, like I'm watching the show and it happens in the show. It's not a spoiler because it's a real life thing. I don't think, but I'm like, wait, did he, did this happen? Or is this just like for dramatic effect? And apparently it actually is what happened. And I'm like, that's, insane like that's it's such a like hollywood's level ending to have for this guy who was kind of you know dramatic about things um but i've watched a few other movies uh i can't say my thoughts on a couple of these but um i saw prey the new film that's uh i I guess that one comes out Uh, yeah i can actually uh i i'm all in on prey um, the, the embargo is off by the time this episode is dropped. So it's all good. Um, I am all in on prey. I, I really like it. I'm a big Dan Trachtenberg fan. There's a couple of little things that I'm like, mm, that's a little on the nose, but overall I found it to be really, really entertaining. Uh, really, um, there's some really cool action sequences and I actually really like the character. Uh, something that is not always the case with the predator movies, right? Like sometimes the characters are just fodder. Uh, I thought the characters here were like actually interesting and compelling, um, and gave some really good performances. Uh, I will. I cannot say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's just funny what happens when you make the characters interesting. Suddenly, the yeah. film gets elevated that bit more. When you actually care if they live or die, suddenly a horror movie has stakes. Um, I can't say my thoughts on this, but the uh, prequel to the 2009 film Orphan, Orphan First Blood. Uh, I saw that. That's all I can say right now. Um, but look for my review online. Uh, summary. Uh, summering. Oh, sorry, but. No, no, I'm hoping to see that in the next few days, Orphan First Blood. Ah. I thought the first film was quite good. Uh, I'm not so sure how we're going to get, how we get got to this point of Orphan First Blood, but let's see. It's wild. Uh, I don't know that there's another example of a child actress playing a role and, and then t- 13 years later reprising the child role. Like, uh, you know, when they're like, they went from being like 12 to 25 and they're still playing a 12 year old essentially um, without spoiling orphan. Uh, so yeah, pr- pretty wild. Um, 
that it exists. And without commenting, it's not a comment on the film. Didn't violate embargo. Just saying it's like the fact that it exists is interesting. Um, Summering uh, is a movie that was at Sundance. Um, Big Tuna. Big Tuna. I, I, I'm technically, the movie doesn't come out until next week, but it's not under embargo because of, uh, it was already at Sundance, but it's real bad. Like, like it's tuna recommended it with that saying it was bad, but he had a blast watching it. I did not. I, I, I was just irritated that I was watching it. Um, it's it, the premise is insane, dude. Like, it's so it's so wild, and, and the movie honestly at some point forgets what the premise is, and like just kind of leaves it. And it's like, no, we're just going to fixate on this uh, the coming of age part. But don't forget, they found a body and then moved it. It's like, what? What's happening? It's it's crazy. Um, on the other hand, I watched Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, for the first time. Okay, I've seen this film getting a lot of mentions online this week because of John Leguizamo. Is that why? Um, what's going on with John Leguizamo? That because uh, Tuna messaged me saying, "I bet you can't name any film this guy's been in." He didn't say the actor's name, but it's John Leguizamo. Um, so people were just the first film people were saying was always Tu Wong Fu uh, ahead of everything else. So it's really odd that you've brought this up. Well, oddly, uh, without that that post, um, Corey and I. Uh, had picked this to be our palate cleanser between series on Movie Club. So this is the Movie Club movie of the week, and it just so happened to coincide with that. It, movie Club does that oddly. Like, it's never, like, I, I in no way think it's our influence. We have zero. But it does seem like when we pick something, it suddenly is in the zeitgeist again. And this is another one of those examples, which I, that's some hate on Lake Wazamo. One, he's Bruno, everybody. Like, we don't talk about him. What are we doing? Like, um... Luigi. But, oh, man, uh, I can name several Lake Wazama movies. I'm a big fan of uh, R- Romeo plus Juliet. Um, but I, I saw Bullet Train. Won't talk about that much because we are going to be uh, reviewing that next week, folks. Um, but so here's the thing. I, I mentioned this in the, the, the top of the show. Um, I uh, went to see Bullet Train in an Orlando theater, came out of the movie, and it was a terribly horrible storm like rain was sideways there was the the most dramatic lightning i've seen in a while where like you it looked like a movie where like someone was drawing with a pen light in the sky it's just these big crackling bolts of lightning and i'm like watching through the the glass doors um big tuna myself and another friend of ours and i'm just like yeah i'm not gonna walk to my car in this because i will get soaked and it like and maybe hit by lightning you know uh so we were looking at the movies. I have, uh, we're at a Regal theater and I have Regal unlimited so I can go see another movie for no cost, basically no cost. Um, and I'm like, well, what haven't I seen? And what's about to start? And what's not going to be too long. Cause it's already like nine 30 and I have like an hour drive and I'm back at work. So I'm, I'm pretty exhausted last night when this is all happening. And sure enough, minions, the rise of Gru is about to start. I'm like, well, I haven't seen it. And, it's pretty short. It's like just over 90 minutes. Um, tonight's the night. So Tuna, myself, and our other friend, three grown men, uh, venture in to see Minions, The Rise of Gru. Sean has already seen it, um, but Brendan and I have not. I got to say, Matt, I found it pretty funny. Did you? We were laughing 
more than it was actually a pretty packed theater but it was no kids it was like almost all adults so i don't know but like the only laughs i heard were us like the three of us were laughing uh don't think it's like an excellent movie or anything but i i find a lot of the their humor to be pretty funny and the cast was pretty great like in like a funny way like Dolph Lundgren is in it and uh Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a Jean-Claude something something like the casting's inspired it pretty wild uh Taraji P Henson's in it like it, it was not cast wise what I was expecting Alan Arkin is is like the big bad villain guy um yeah. and I you know it's stupid I'm not gonna sit here and like oh it's highbrow com-. no it's dumb there's you see like seven minion butts in this movie I don't know what the deal was with that but apparently yellow butts are a popular thing for animated cartoons um but like we were cracking up oh and and I gotta make this joke, Matt. If uh, if you if I had a nickel for every time I saw a movie st- with Michelle Yeoh featuring a rock with googly eyes, I'd have exactly two nickels, which isn't a lot of money, but it's pretty weird that it happened twice this year. You know, like it's. <laughs> I will give you that. I will definitely give you that. But yeah, so that that's what I've been watching. Um, I I not recommending Rise of Gru for everybody, but if you like Minions. I think you like Minions Rise of Gru. I, I, I also thought Minions was funny. I, again, I don't think it's like a masterpiece, but I do laugh at the jokes. I, I Their cuteness works on me. That's all I can say. I, I don't dislike the Minions. Uh, everyone else seems to, but, you know, they're whatever. No, I like I like the Minions. Uh, I mentioned in my uh, rundown of the film that they're the, they're the standout part of their own film. Uh, I just thought maybe it's getting a bit uh, it's getting a bit stretched now maybe but um, I, d- I did think if you're a fan of the franchise you're going to enjoy that film so I'm glad to hear that uh, yourself Tuna and the gang were fans of it Are you gentle minions rolling in to watch the film together um, I after last week's absolute like <laughs> barrage of films I took it a little bit easier this week uh, I didn't watch 20 odd films I only watched a few but I also listened to the Nightmare on Film Street patreon episode where they finished their nine is it nine or ten film marathon no you know with no sleep in between all of the nightmare f- on elm street films including freddy versus jason and the remake in one sitting i don't know how anyone does it but it would drive you mad and i think it drive drove them mad towards the end especially when you end with the uh, platinum dooms 2010 remake of a nightmare on elm street which whilst i do think is for the most part a bit crap it does have some good ideas in it, and I think it is at times unfairly maligned because of its a clear attachment to the first film. It just needed it just needed to differentiate itself a little bit more, and I think people would say, it, you know, it's, it's not bad, it's fine, uh, but it isn't great. So that was a good fun listen. I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife again last week. I was flicking through what to watch, and I was like, should I watch one of the Marvel series, which I should watch? And then I kind of came to the realisation that, well, I haven't seen him yet, so obviously there's no real desire to watch him just yet. Okay, I'll watch something else. So I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, and John and myself, we both loved that film. Uh, I sent John a video of one of the daft jokes in it, which just makes me laugh every time. And it's, it's, it's a great film. I can't wait for Ghostbusters Firehouse to come out next December 2023. Looking forward to the continuation of that. Uh, I watched Annihilation, the uh, Alex Garland film the natalie portman tessa thompson et al hoping to talk about that film soon uh, on the retrospective so uh re-watched that and had uh, i i every time i watch it i find a greater appreciation first time i watched it i was like this is great i hate the ending 
then every single time I've watched it since, um, this is great, and I really like the ending. I really dig it. It's a ethereal kind of mob, like bending your head trip, but it works. Whereas maybe the ending of his latest film, Men, didn't quite have that kind of visceral uh, assault on the senses that he probably thought it did. Annihilation did. Um, moving from Men to a film called Wild Men, I got sent this. I get in my. I know John is the same. In our inboxes, drops a lot of requests to review films. So mm-hmm. there's some from the some from the big daddies, the big studios, and others from uh, people who are you know making their way in the industry, or you know kind of mid level films that I haven't heard of, but they look very well produced and seem to do quite well on the festival circuit. And one of them was called Wild Men. It's a Danish film directed by Thomas uh, Deneskov. And I got this email through. I thought, you know, I don't know why. And that's, that's not to be disrespectful, but I don't, you know, some, I don't always look at the trailers, you know, like John busy. some too busy sometimes to just watch everything that comes in. But I thought I'll check this one out. I'll check the trailer. I thought the trailer looked quite fun. Different. It's about a, a dude called Martin who, who's going, is trying to get out of his midlife crisis. So he goes to live in the fat in the, Nor- the Norwegian mountains by himself. He kind of just leaves everything behind and he meets a, a drug smuggler in there. Who's uh, hurt himself. who's injured after a car accident. And together, this kind of odd couple has to flee across the Norwegian mountains. The police are after them. The rival drug cartels are after him. And Martin's wife is after him too. So I thought this sounds great. And I looked at the critics, 84 RT, 71 Metacritic, but, I don't know. It just just didn't land for me, John. I watched it, and I, it's not very long. It's only maybe an hour and a half or so. But I got kind of half an hour through, and I thought, oh, I'm quite tempted to hmm. just you know press X on this. Well, it's not bad as well. It's not that it's offensively awful. It's just I felt like it was a bit of a slog. I didn't really. It, the movie was moving on, but I kind of felt like I was being left behind. There was nothing to grab from it nothing to sort of no hooks to draw me in the trailer was well done because it, it showed some cool moments but see the way they've used that put that montage together was shaved showing the best bits in it it's not maybe a bad film but it's not one i'm ever going to rush to watch again i haven't put my review out yet because i always feel bad sometimes when you get sent a film and then you have to tell them didn't really like it but yeah here for yeah. john uh, yeah wild men it might work for most people it seems to be but it, it didn't work for me and uh, I watched a film called Glorious, another film which was sent to me by the fine folk over at Shudder, uh, the streaming service which you should subscribe to if you're a horror fan. It's a, just a treasure trove of goodness. But it's a film called Glorious. Uh, it stars Ryan Quanton, or Quanton, uh, the Australian actor, and it also stars J.K. Simmons in a fun, a very odd, unexpected role in the film is pretty much set in one location which is very interesting it's directed by rebecca mckendry and it's really quite good i really enjoyed it it's, it's called a lovecraftian horror and that scares me most of the time not the actual mm. genre but slapping pink lights on and calling something lovecraftian has become very trendy to do things yeah you. it is this is lovecraftian light you know, there are there are elements. There's this cosmic horror uh, elements, and some of the the tropes of that Lovecraftian subgenre are in this film. But it doesn't necessarily go OTT on that, which I uh, I, I appreciate. That when you, when you get a film like Color Out of Space or something like that, which really kind of leans into it heavily, this doesn't as much as that. And I quite enjoyed it. 
it's silly but it's only an hour and 18 it's 78 minutes long and it and it perfectly paces itself in that 78 minutes it doesn't need to be longer it knows that it's got a great double act with Quanton and jk simmons and it drops on uh august the 18th i think it drops uh there is an embargo up so what i've just said wasn't a spoiler for the film it was just who's in it um but no a glorious it's called i i did enjoy that film so if you can get a chance to check it out it's 78 minutes it's not as like, in-depth or it doesn't keep your arms reach as some of the actual lovecraftian horror films but hey i enjoyed it it's on shutter if you've got a shutter check it out if you haven't it's about five bucks it's five pounds over here do check it out but uh, that's everything that we've been checking out over the past week since the last episode and there's some bloody awesome things there but we have to maintain certain levels of bloody awesomeness in order to keep bringing the bloody awesome movie podcast to your ears so john over the last week what have you been doing to remain bloody awesome i have been returning to work um which may not seem like the right approach to this but uh it's a process when you get off uh two months and technically i haven't really been off because i've been working uh online for the local community college that i work at but um i haven't been going to my regular job so now like i'm having to go you know get get up in the morning get dressed and go to work um uh again which is you know i get to see my my coworkers, and uh we always have we're we're given a lot of like food uh like yesterday we had a big breakfast from a local restaurant they made like hash browns and an omelet uh which was pretty good and then today we had Panera lunch. Um, so, you know, it, and that's a community thing. So we're all back. And after a year and a half where everything was really, really weird, um, this is the first year where it's, it, it feels like the old days. It doesn't feel like a return from COVID here because Florida has been denying COVID for over a year now. So it, it it's, it feels like before COVID, beginning of the school year start where last year it felt like we don't really know what's going to happen and we still don't because you know there's still stuff going around obviously but uh it doesn't doesn't have that same like post-apocalyptic vibe that the start of last year had so uh it's it's nice to be kind of getting back in the swing of things yeah no getting back to work may not sound as sexy as some things but it's more about the routine and whilst we may not be the most outgoing social lovers in the world it is quite nice to see friends co-workers and to chat about things which maybe you don't chat about in your other circles and uh just you know and soon you'll be catching up with the catching up with the students again and the new influx as well so it's yeah. things to be looking forward to and i look forward to hearing about your, your work jb because i'm generally infused by the um, I can't think of what they what it's called over there, but the work that you set your students and uh, things like that. I'm mm. always interested in what how they approach sometimes quite uh, cool but layered subjects that and themes that you set them to do. So I'm always interested in hearing that. So one of the things about the bloody awesome movie podcast is bloody awesome for me is hearing about John's day to day work and how he <laughs> kids how to be the best in film they can be. Um, so that is cool. Mine is very simple. Mine is simply just R and R, rest and relaxation, which isn't necessarily true because I was busy this weekend with um, my daughter going back and forward, and we watched the uh, women's Euro twenty twenty two final in football, and the England ladies they finally did something that the men couldn't do and win a major tournament. And the country is very proud and very happy 
and we've been celebrating ever since. Um, but last week, yeah, I watched like 20 odd films. I kind of shut myself away. Well, I wasn't feeling very well, but I shut myself away for four days and watched about 20 odd 25 films just so I could be up to date with the 2022 releases. So when it comes into the business end of the year, which we're getting into, my focus is just on what's coming out rather than, oh God, I've got to watch what it already been. So uh, I've kind of taken it a little bit easier this week, which is reflected in my uh, media consumption section. So I've watched a comfort film in Ghostbusters and kind of Annihilation because as odd as it is to call it a comfort film, I love it. Uh, and then, of course, there are a couple of new ones, which one worked, one didn't. But it's getting back to enjoying movies for the sake of enjoying films whilst also critiquing rather than, oh, crap, I've got to ram 25 films down my throat to feel like I'm doing what I enjoy doing. But no, I've just been resting, relaxation, JB, doing the good stuff, watching some footy, hanging out with my little one, going to the cinema and enjoying film for what it is rather than what I try to make it sometimes. So, uh, yeah, less work for me, more work for you by the sounds of it, dude. Yep, that's how it goes. And we've got more work coming next week on the bloody awesome movie podcast. This train ain't slowing down because next week, as John alluded to, we are going to be covering and reviewing Bullet Train, which I'm very much looking forward to seeing very, very soon. Uh, very in it within a few hours in fact so i'm looking forward to that hopefully i like it but we're going to be talking about it next week either way hopefully john likes it but we're going to be talking about it either way next week so check out our dc league of super pets spoiler review which is going to be dropping in a few days if you're listening to this when it comes out and if you want to let us know what you thought about the film or anything we've spoken about on this episode you can find us on social media on twitter we are at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john where are we on instagram we're at bloody awesome movie pod if you're going to find us on facebook or meta you can do to search bloody awesome movie podcast if you want to find me online you can do at what i watch tonight.co.uk and across all the socials including letterbox to search what i watch tonight and john where are you currently at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms Go follow John. If you want to rate and review the show, we'd really appreciate that five-star rating really helps us out. It gets more people listening because it, it gets our visibility out there. It gets us up the algorithm a bit more. And we do enjoy hearing from more and more film fans each week. Uh, so just remember you're, you're, <laughs> you're reviewing the BAMP podcast, not someone's grandfather, apparently. So just bear that in mind when you leave your review. However, with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,